Welcome again to Fishing Without Bait, a lifetime without definitive expectations, where we help people explode into their lives through full impact mindfulness. If you have the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try, get a seat in a boat and start the engine and come on board and let the adventure begin. And today we continue our conversations with our new friends, Merlin and Eamon, of the podcast, A Gay and His Envy. My my body has always called to the north. I've always hated the heat. So it makes, it just ticked a lot of boxes for us. And it just became clear that this is where we belonged. And the second we set foot here, it was like coming home. Well, when we talked earlier about what are the requirements that it takes to be with me, both as a friend and or a romantic partner, quite often, Eamon, what I'll ask people to do is, what are the requirements that a location would need to have in order for you to be interested? What's negotiable? What's non-negotiable? So what were some of the requirements that you and Merlin were looking for? I think, you know, and I talked about it before, I think family was also a big element of our philosophy and sort of building our family eventually and what that would look like. Um, I think there's so much about the East, uh, the Northeast that I always really loved. And, and um, while I lit, I left Michigan when I was four, um, I had a lot of just intrinsic memories that sort of stuck with me. My mom also is from uh, uh, Jamestown, New York, which is not too far from here. Um, and I just remember like, Christmas vacations and um, going to visit family and sort of like um, the sort of memories that kind of that sort of swirl in your head. I think both of us are sort of of that philosophy of like we think also very sentimentally and like what if if anything of looking towards the future the the most ideal picture of what that could look like in sort of any possible way. Um, and, and for all the things that you mentioned before, too, I just feel like the city was sort of calling to us in many ways, wh- whether we knew specifically Pittsburgh or not. Um, I remember visiting up to um, uh, with Sorg and that years ago um, and just really falling in love with the city and falling in love with everything that uh, was around in the community and the um, everything from the art to the architecture to the just environment of the community that is the city because there's you know there's certain elements you always can't control about a city but the community is something that if it's there it's either there or it's not and i really feel that with this community well this is a completely biased statement you made an excellent choice yeah thank you (laughs) (laughs) oh we honestly since the second we got here like i said it's felt like home um it it's weird because i got here and I felt like almost a sense of nostalgia and I've never been here before, before we moved. Um, we didn't visit, we didn't have the funds for it. So, um, we had to do all of that stuff online and, um, but the second we got here, there was a certain nostalgia for the city and it, like I said, it felt like home. It felt like somewhere that my soul has always called to. It's like I, I knew in some part of who I am that I would always end up here. And that to me, and like I mentioned earlier, I'm a witch, I'm pagan. So all of that was ringing alarm bells, good alarm bells <laughs> in my head. I was like, I'm on the right path. 
I'm on the path that is going to lead me to my best future, to the best version of myself. And um, I've never questioned, since we got here, that there's never been any question. There's never been any doubt that this was the right decision. Well, generally when people want to make a decision, I ask them to do three things. I say, take your scientific fact-finding data-gathering mind mm. and gather all the facts and information that you can do, try to objectively, non-judgmentally gather all the facts. Then embrace that concept with your heart center. And then what does your gut tell you? Yeah. What, yeah. what is your instinctual feeling? Oh, yeah, I'm a big believer in, in gut instinct. Um, and, you know, we we talked about several different cities, but so many of them were so expensive, so we not, and they never really felt right. So we just crossed them off the list, but we kept circling back to Pittsburgh. It kept just talking about it, and it was just like, this feels right. This feels like it's where we're supposed to be. We already have people there that we know. And then I started connecting with people online and local community chats, um, like on Reddit and on Facebook and whatnot, communities that are here in Pittsburgh and made connections. And um, I have like three different friend groups that were born out of that, that I'm still in touch with. And, you know, we, you know, hang out pretty regularly and it's um, given us a, it doesn't feel like we're new to this city. It feels like we've been here forever. It feels like, again, like this is home, like this is where we were always meant to be. I guess we're doing a uh, Pittsburgh promo, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. So what do you find right about the city, Eamon? What do you find? What do you feel comfortable here? What have you found? Like I mentioned before, like I think there's such a beautiful community, even in like, I, I we were talking uh, before about like, the sort of nature of the the boroughs of, of Pittsburgh and sort of um, how they each sort of have their own intrinsic quality. And I love the ability to like see like locally owned people and see people who have sort of created businesses for themselves and sort of, because really, you don't really get that as much in Texas just naturally because of how things are um, situated and how things are laid out. Um, but just seeing people seeing other people pursue their passions, I think makes you intrinsically try to discover your own and try to really uh, um, soul search and, and, and do what you're most passionate about. Um, and I think the creativity of the city is so, um, so interesting to see, which is everything that uh, anytime that we venture out um, into any of the boroughs and stuff like that, it's just so cool to see just cool to see the ingenuity and what everyone's doing. Merlin felt about being safe here. Do yeah. you feel safe? Oh, for sure. I think there is such a, um, it's just a feeling that you can't really describe. It's hard to sort of, um, put a name to it, I guess you could say, but it's, you know, once you're walking down the street, <laughs> once you're, once you're driving, once you're commuting, once you're, um, going in and out of places, there's such a, a warmness to it all that you, once you, I think maybe the, in the time, the length of time in which we've been in Texas, like, you know, not having that for a long time and the, how new it feels, I think is what makes it feel right in that sense, in a way. 
um, yeah, it just feels, it's hard to really put words to it. Yeah, I'm having trouble really um, putting that to words other than feeling safe and it feels like home. Yeah. Like it, like you said, there's a warmth even when it's, you know, 20 or below outside. (laughs) And, you know, that's not weather we're super used to, but it's not something that we've really seen as a huge um, problem once we've been here because uh, it just, there's so much community and there's so much preparedness here for that, that it really just, I mean, you, you don't really feel the difference. Those words make me proud of Pittsburgh. Yeah. I, I, it's a unique city. Like, honestly, if you've not had a chance to get here, get here. because Not like move, because like there's a limited space. But like, <laughs> like, look, there's a bunch of mountains, right? So it like it really limits the amount of it's like, really building that you can do. Maybe it's just something in the elevation <laughs> and in the water. It, it could be. Honestly, the water here is so much better than it is in Texas. Let me tell you, people here hate the water here, but I'm telling you the water in the South is nasty in comparison. <laughs> well, Appreciate your water, Pittsburghers. Well, most bias and discrimination are based on fear. Yeah. And Mainly, most politicians now run on the concept of fear. Fear that something's going to be taken away from you or fear that something is going not, you're not going to get something that you truly deserve because these others are going to take it from you. So what we try to do on this program is to replace a mind of uncertainty with a mind of knowledge. And there's a, in the big book that we talk about frequently on this show, there's an appendix too, and there's a quote in there called the spiritual experience, and it talks about spiritual experiences being of the educational variety. And there's a quote in there by a fellow by the name of Herbert Spencer. He was a contemporary of Charles Darwin. And to paraphrase this, it says, there's a principle which will surely keep a person in everlasting ignorance. And that principle is contempt prior to investigation. Mm-hmm. So that's what we try to do. We often ask people, are you having contempt prior to investigation? What do you know for sure? Let's check the facts because most people base discrimination based on beliefs and yeah. not facts. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, even when I was in that evangelical bubble, you couldn't have found someone more homophobic than, than I was because I was terrified of what I would, was really at my core. Um, and I was terrified of the consequences of that. And I was also angry at the other people who were living their life without the oppression that I was feeling. And coming to terms with that and coming to terms with having been an oppressor and still in some ways being an oppressor because I can't help some traits like the fact that I am a white person and I have privilege in this country, right? Um, coming to terms with that, but then also having some of that flipped where I'm literally on the other side of that coin now, um, and was always on the other side of that coin, but didn't realize it, right? I was trying to cosplay as (laughs) something else, putting on a mask every day. How'd it feel to walk around being an imposter, Merlin? 
<laughs> it is honestly the shittiest experience you can have. It is pretty awful. Um, it is soul crushing and it is depressing and it is anxiety fuel and it is the worst thing you can possibly do for your mental health. I think sometimes people for years, I would say have misinterpreted the concept of like the ability to pass through society and, and consider it a benefit. But like you were mentioning, like I think now, nowadays I feel like people are able to have that conversation of like, no, this is actually a burden. And this is something that is a struggle in such a, such a deep way. Um, sort of what you were talking about in terms of the, the fear element of it all. Like I, I've noticed it a lot, like sort of in our, my interactions with Merlin's uh, family, because that's also been such a, uh, uh, a struggle, but it's been a, um, a learning experience. I, th I would hope uh, for them, but also in certain ways for myself, I think, you know, naturally in that situation, defenses come up and walls come up and, um, while it has been nowhere near perfect by any means. and They I, have made growth. Yeah. And there's been, and you know, trauma is, is something that's good. That is, um, more deep seated, obviously, and, and needs deeper, um, conversation, obviously. But I think in terms of when they started to actually see me and sort of to th those sort of social interactions, like every once in a couple months, you know, a dinner or something to that effect. I think when the defenses started to come down and they see another person's humanity, it can be a really powerful thing in that regard. And, you know, <laughs> even the times in which we've had, uh, uh, we would inevitably try to avoid politics. And then we some, tried so hard. It, it's, it can be a difficult thing, but then um, being able to learning to be able to communicate the differences in a way that is both respectful, but also seeing another person's humanity and sort of finding common ground in the ways that, um, in certain common qualities. And I like it, that commonalities. Yeah. And if we can focus more on those things in those conversations, they can turn out in a way where we can take something, you know, and give something to another person. Um, and I think, though, that it's also important while we're doing that and while we're trying to find a way to breach those subjects, I think it's also important to make sure that we are still challenging people um, and we are pushing back against bigotry and we are taking the fact that it is a privilege to sit at that table. Yeah. And we're using that privilege um, to do the work, to do the work on the hearts and the minds that we have access to. And um, because there are other people who are never going to get a seat at that table, who are never going to have access to those hearts and minds, and who are never going to have the chance to change those people. And you can't change somebody from the outside. They have to want to change. But you can always plant the seeds. You can always do the work to show them the humanity of 
the people that they are actively oppressing and to show them the um, hypocrisy and the hatred that they are spewing. Well, you can, there's a common saying that says you can lead a horse to water and you can't make them drink. Right. However, in the 12-step world, we say that's true. However, you can make them thirsty. Yes. <laughs> I like that. That's actually really good. So I, I think, yeah. And I think it's kind of the, um, sort of the, your first question you would ask this too, of like, um, the good in an individual. Like, if you can strip that fear element out of it and, and allow them to sort of think without it and think without the, the, the fear overtaking their belief system. I think you, there's a lot of progress that can be made, um, in regards to that. And it's, that's the, that's always been the sort of like, not conflict, but, um, the sort of struggle for me personally of just like knowing the trauma that you've experienced, obviously, and knowing, um, the deep seatedness of it. But then taking the trying to take those good moments from my interactions, obviously, with them. And we've talked about this, about how it's just, you know, part of it's also almost like a, an interesting case study. Like, not not to minimize, but like almost like looking at an animal in a zoo through, sure. through the glass of like, this is, what you know, seeing a person's how they how they interact with different individuals. We're all in a laboratory of the human experience. Yes, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, and I think part of it also, I think we were afforded certain access because of the fact that we went ahead and got married. Yeah. Um, and I think that in the back of my parents' heads, they were saying, okay, well, we don't like, that they got married, but we do believe in the sanctity of marriage. So we don't want them to get divorced, <laughs> which means that if we want him in our lives, we have to accept his husband because the second we got married, it kind of flipped the script for them. And they were so much more accepting of mm. Amen and, they have never been anything but, well, I take that back. They have m been more progressively kind towards him um, than they were at the beginning. Um, even to the point that when my grandmother died um, a couple years ago, he was listed as family. Yeah, and that was a As a surviving deal. family member. And that, to me, really marked that there had been some change that has happened. <laughs> Big change. Like, yeah. And that's literally just a difference of a, of a couple years from I'd rather watch your, your brother die again than to come to your wedding to despite everything, your family, and you're going to be included as such. That's a seismic shift. Yeah. yeah. So what we try to do is we help people understand that life is of small victories, not huge ones, small ones, and the small ones add up to big victories. You know, I, although I'm a, I stepped aside from the Catholic Church a number of years ago, and I'm a Buddhist. Actually, I'm a, I'm a confirmed member of the Pittsburgh chapter of the Religious Society of Friends. I'm a Quaker. Nice. Okay. 
So, but I'm a I'm a big admirer of uh, Pope Francis, and uh, in fact, I have it tattooed across my chest. Who am I to judge? And that's uh, that's what I tell people when they make some type of a flippant comment. I'll, sometimes I'll just confront them and I'll say, "Who are you to judge? Yeah, who are you to judge? He yeah. he blew those people's minds when he said that. Yeah, who am I to judge? Yeah. One thing that I have learned. Um, in, in that same vein of what do you say when you when someone says something extremely offensive? Um, my my favorite response is, "Wow, what made you think that I was a place I was going to be a safe place for that expression? Mm. What have what about me made you think that I would accept that?" Because that's something I need to fix about me. If I made you think that I would accept your racism, or if I made you think that I would accept your bigotry in any form, like, let me work on that about me. Let me make that more clear to people. Um, but also let me put you in your place because that was not okay. Sometimes people go fishing and they say sometime of maybe sometimes slightly innocuous remark, racist or biased, just to see if you bite on it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just to they see like if you agree. Those waters. I've and, I, I've uh, had those experiences a couple times with um, uh, just the the ability, the sense of vibe that that a question is there's an underlying meaning to a question um, that might not be on the surface. That's called a microaggression. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. Or or you're or to in your, maybe in what you're describing too, like trying to suss someone out of like w um, what you can say next. Well, sometimes what I'll do, Merlin, I'll ask people when they say something like that, I'll say, would you say those words again to me slowly out loud and listen to them? Yeah. yeah. Say that Honestly. again. Slowly. <laughs> Just. Or even what if I'm with a 12-step person that makes an off-color remark, I'll say, I'll ask them, I'll say, would you, uh, would you make that statement in a 12-step meeting? Mm. And if they say no, and I said, then it has no place here. Yeah. yeah. With the internet, that's especially a thing in the, when people type something and post it. It's, it's like, like wow. you have the ability to read that. Like, <laughs> and, you literally thought about that. You typed it out. You looked at it. And you said, yeah, yeah, that's it. You hit send. <laughs> like, there, was, there were steps of review. It's not like when you're saying something where something can just fly out of your mouth and it can be an indication of deeper seated bigotry that you don't really mean in the front of your mind. And yeah, that's something you need to work on and you need to deal with and you need to be called out about it. But it's different when you type it, <laughs> when you type it and you hit send that like you, you thought about that. There's an extra step. You phrased <laughs> that the way you wanted to, to fit in your 140 characters Really? Okay. That went through some reviews. <laughs> so it sounds like you two have a, a mission in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, and it's the mission I think most people should have. Lead life with love. Try to make the world a better place than you found it. And, you know, change as many hearts and minds as you can on the way. Well, we say our purpose is to remain clean and sober and carry the message. In order to carry the message, you have to have one. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I think there's a... 
I almost look at it sometimes in terms of like the metaphor of like a thesis statement in, in a college paper. Like, what's your thesis statement on life, and how are you um, building upon that? Or, or, or in maybe a better way, it also is like a science experiment. Or like you have your hypothesis, and can you find the things in which that will prove that hypothesis true in terms? Of and if not, your change your hypothesis or that. Be unafraid to change your hypothesis because so many people set a hypothesis and they think it's in stone. It's like it's on a chalkboard, guys. You can erase that and rewrite it as many times as you need to. The only thing constant about life is change. Yeah. Exactly. And most people fear it. And the second that you are unwilling to learn and unwilling to change, that's when you die. One of the things that we try to impress people that it's okay to say, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. It's a perfectly fine, but in this, our educational system where children are taught that they shouldn't say, I don't know, because yeah. then they're shamed for it. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. That's something for me, like, very much at an early age. Like, it, the f- philosophy of, oh, you don't know, well, you need to have known before, you know, reaching a certain point or, or goal. And it's like, there's not enough of it. I, I hope that's changing. I hope that's changing. It's not. Nowadays. It's gotten worse. Well, the American education system is going down the down it, the toilet. Maybe in educate in education, absolutely. But I think in I hope in society we're having more of those conversations to where that message can be taught. It sounds like uh, we have much more to discuss in the future. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that. We, we love having conversations like this. And what's funny is that the subject matter is different, but anyone who's heard the first episode of our podcast, this is the same way that we talk yeah. about everything. <laughs> like we dig into the minutia of a topic, whether it is something as vapid as girlfriends throwing drinks on each other in a bar, <laughs> or if it's something as real as trauma and bigotry and the state of the world and we we feel like all these conversations should be met with passion like if it's worth talking about it's worth being passionate about so could you let our listeners know how to get in touch and how to link to your podcast absolutely so we are uh our podcast is again is mb uh you can find us on all of our social media twitter uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all under uh, a gay and his NB. Um, we're on uh, obviously the Sorgatron Media Network um, as well, and you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Google Podcasts, all the places, anywhere you can find, and anywhere you can listen to a podcast, you can find. Us. Well, we'll certainly put a link up uh, on the Fishing Without Bait website in order to link to your podcast. So what are you uh, what are you taking away from this evening other than the ringing sound of my voice? I thought it was a I I feel like I was in the best therapy session of my life right now <laughs> to be honest. It's it's nice to get out because we've had these conversations a million times, right? Um, but it's nice to speak about it in a place where there's new ears, where yeah. there's new perspectives to pull in and to reflect off of and Again, that's how we grow. That's how we learn is by assessing other point of, points of view. And, um, you know, we, we love having these conversations. So uh, we, we definitely would love to be back and continue. Well, this is not the end of our conversation with our guests this evening. This is only the beginning. 
So as always, at the end of every podcast, we offer a free prescription, fruits, nuts, and vegetables, and unplug your television and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. Do a kindness for yourself and do a kindness for another. Forgive yourself and forgive another. If we're all not the Creator's children, none of us are. Till all are free, none are free, my friends. Namaste. If you're interested in flying the colors of fishing without bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait.